0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and
1: pre-sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. It, down. It. it home. Garland upstairs. Oh, For six and oh! A thunderous Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. No Carter Rodriguez today. He's abandoned his post. He's tried to throw me off. But you know what? Just like NBA teams this season, I'm going to make do with what I have. I'm going to make adjustments, and I'm fortunate. I have great reinforcements coming back. Is friend of the podcast, Kelsey O'Brien of basketballnews.com and the fantastic Dimes and Dishes podcast. Kelsey, how are you doing today?
0: I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm doing pretty well. Um, I had Monday off, so it was kind of an extended, long weekend for me. Um, Cavs went two and two over the four games in six night stretch, which was nice. Uh, I didn't really expect those two wins to be against the Raptors and Celtics. Uh, they they kind of had tired legs against the Kings, but the the Raptors game was nice for me um, because I obviously have so many Raptors. Uh, fans and friends in kind of my circle living in Canada and it was also my first opportunity to actually watch a game with some people Um, my brother came over as well as a a buddy that got his vaccine so it was nice to get that win but it did come at your expense so I'm going to be a little sympathetic there Uh, (laughs) but we can start things off with that game because let's let's dwell on the positive for at least the Cavs fans listening Uh, what were some of your impressions of the Cavs in that matchup?
0: I love your team this year to be honest. They are young, they're fun, they're exciting. So that loss didn't hurt me as a Raptors fan because when I watch the NBA for, you know, covering the G League, I like to see these young guys come up and kind of get their moment and you have an entire team full of that. So <laughs> I was not I was not upset. I was happy for you guys.
1: well that's that's good I I I have to imagine though now that you guys are in a position the Cavs were in fairly recently having the longest losing streak in the league that's that's not a fun position to be in and it's got to be infuriating too because I I feel like with the Cavs this season they're in a position where I think they're a little better than their record I I still feel like they're overachieving uh, just because they are starting so many young guys but when you look at it, they've had so many games missed. Um, they're they're dealing with the craziness of the season that everyone else is dealing with, but it's just a little more difficult for a young team. But for the Raptors, it's it's a whole different ball game. Like the Cavs right now are five and fifteen on the road. The Raptors are seventeen and twenty six on the road because they don't get any home games.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think people don't realize just how much that plays into it. I mean, we saw all the teams in the bubble. And we saw them come back and say, you know, to the Players Association, we do not want to do this ever again. It was mentally exhausting. And then the Raptors have been in a bubble for a year. I mean, their last last time they played was in in Toronto was in March. So they've been displaced and homeless since March of 2020. And you might, it's just now maybe that it's beginning to be obvious how much it's actually wearing on them.
1: Yeah, it's I, I think we're we're seeing that a lot. And one of the trends I've noticed this season is if a team does get down, um, a lot of times they just kind of give up because it's like, hey, we just we are playing our fourth game in six nights or we, we have a long road trip ahead of us and we just need to get some rest. It's the Raptors have shown fight like I, I've watched a lot of them this season. Um, but it's just amazing what they've had to overcome because they were trying to make that adjustment to start the season with them and their families being displaced. Um, they're basically living out of hotels. I would assume in Tampa, it's not like they're buying real estate and relocating their families for schools and whatnot. And then once they kind of get settled, it was basically the worst case scenario. The team started to click. They got up to 500 and then they got hit with COVID where, so much of their starting lineup has been wiped out by, by the virus. And like, even now coming back, you hear Fred Van Vliet talking about how difficult the experience was for him. And I I think there's kind of this instinct for fans to look at a a guy coming back from COVID and feeling like, okay, well, once they're back, they're fine. The same thing as like a sprained ankle. When the truth is there is lingering effects that don't get talked about often enough.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have Jason Tatum who caught it months ago saying that he's still feeling effects and we, it's so new that we don't know what the long-term effects are. So to have basically your entire starting lineup and your entire coaching staff out with COVID kind of leaves you in this weird limbo of not knowing who to play or how to play them.
1: Right. <laughs> Is ha, Has there been any standouts at least in this um, losing streak? Like there, there's obviously been guys that have had the opportunity. Uh, I I have a feeling you're going to go Paul Watson Jr. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 I want to hear uh, kind of who's stepped up in this stretch.
0: So the thing with that question is it feels almost very loaded because at some point some of this has to fall on the shoulders of Nick Nurse, mm-hmm. who I do not believe has put any of his players past or new in a position to succeed. This okay. Season. I do not feel that the lineups or the choices that he's making are ones that are benefiting pretty much anyone on the field. I mean, hmm. if you want to talk about Paul Watson, all they do is stick him in the corner, not run any plays for him unless a ball gets kicked out there by accident because Aaron Baines can't catch it properly. Okay. So I don't feel like anyone is being utilized the way that they should be. And it's kind of hard to, when you see someone like Stanley Johnson at the beginning of the season was phenomenal and now he's playing very sporadic minutes with no real sense of purpose
1: Mm -hmm. that's not an easy position to be in I mean especially for rotation players like from a coaching perspective often you want your rotation guys to bring something consistent to the table right I know what to count on you for I know how to deploy you I know how to use you but at the same time if you're not getting those consistent opportunities it can make things a lot more difficult do you think So is your criticism of Nurse this season, does it have more to do with the rotation or how they're being used schematically within that rotation?
0: I think it's both. I mean, because he doesn't have like a very steady rotation. He said the other night that, you know, Paul Watson's the one who's cracked the rotation and then proceeded to play four bench guys over him. Mm -hmm. And then also schematically, you're sticking him in the corner. You know, you're not running your offense through anyone other than Fred and Norm. So when those guys are off the floor nothing's happening. Yeah. And so I think he's not utilizing his lineups properly and he's not utilizing the players in those lineups properly.
1: Do you think any of that has to do with kind of the importance of this trade deadline and how involved the Raptors are in that? Because I know that's one thing that we've talked about with the Cavs is a lot of times the coaching staff has to balance, okay, certain guys we want to showcase a little more because we, for the long-term health of this team, we, we want other teams to see what they can bring to the table. Um, it's it, Some guys that maybe like a Paul Watson Jr. or even uh, for the Cavs, Lamar Stevens, a, a guy that has stepped up in a lot of these opportunities but hasn't necessarily got the consistent minutes in the rotation. And one explanation, uh, we, we haven't heard this from J.B. Bickerstaff, but one explanation could be, hey, certain guys, we, we want to get a little more playing time before the deadline. Is, is that something that's happening in Toronto?
0: I feel like it probably is. I feel like that's why Terrence Davis was playing such heavy minutes in the beginning mm. that they wanted to showcase him, but they did not get the Terrence Davis that they had last season. They no. were dramatically tanked his trade value. So I'm hoping it's not a trade for why Paul Watson's getting minutes, but <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I meant more so the, the guys that maybe were playing over him or Stanley Johnson yeah. at times. Yeah. Like, uh, obviously, Norm Powell and Kyle Lowry are playing minutes because they're really good at basketball. That's kind of what they're known for. <laughs> uh, but, but some of these other guys, like especially when you are looking to orchestrate a trade for uh, w- with some of those kind of key players, often rotation guys get lumped in and, and the trade expands from there. So I, I was just curious if maybe that had some sort of bearing on uh, the way that they've approached their lineups this season.
0: Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, but I mm-hmm. also don't know what plans they have for the trade deadline. So
1: <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, what What were your expectations going into this season? Because I, I know, like, for the Cavs, my expectation was, okay, you're going to play a lot of the young guys. You're going to try to win every game, but when you play youth, you don't really win a lot of games. So the fact that they're outpacing expectations this season, uh, even with all the weirdness that's happened, to me, it's kind of a luxury. Like, it's... Yeah, it's unfortunate that COVID has cost a few wins for the Cavs, but I have to imagine that's a lot more difficult to swallow when you're a team that has more legitimate aspirations.
0: Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, I personally didn't have any championship aspirations. I just Mm. wanted to see all these young guys develop. We have basically a brand new core with two of our vets gone, and then we have all these new guys coming in, and we saw it at the beginning. We saw people like Stanley developing. We saw what Malachi Flynn or rookie can do yeah and then it all kind of fell flat you know our starters are getting run into the ground and our new guys in a developmental year aren't actually getting to play
1: do you think that would have been the case if the season took place in toronto under more normal circumstances
0: i think so i think it would have been a little bit more competitive a little bit more um playoff bound mentality but i don't think it would have crumbled the way that it is in Tampa.
1: I think that's fair. I mean, this is such a weird season because I don't really like to go down the hot take uh, avenues very often. Like this season feels like a great one for the take economy, but not really for those that are trying to actually evaluate what teams are, right? Like, you you look at the standings, and it shifts week to week. Guys are, are, entire teams are missing guys. Cavs have had multiple positions wiped out for extended periods of time. Like, it's just really, really difficult to evaluate. And I I feel bad almost for any general manager that has to try to take this season at the end of the year and say, okay, well, where do we stand? Actually, what do we need? Like, I feel like it's just a really tough environment to make those type of evaluations.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that most teams are just trying to get to the finish line of this season. They're Mm -hmm. not really looking at anything other than finishing it out and then retooling in the offseason, seeing what they need. But as you said, it's impossible to know what you need when the season is in a vacuum. Very, very strange. Yeah.
1: I, I think that that is both an understatement and really fair uh, do, do you think the record so the way that it's gone off the rails with Toronto and part of the reason why I was so interested in having you on other than your perspective is the Raptors kind of feel like the most important team going into this trade deadline like the most significant names in my opinion that can impact the way this season's going to play out Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell are at the top of the list like Aaron Gordon's a nice player but he, he seems to have a very high opinion of himself and how you integrate that into a proven playoff team is difficult, whereas Lowry and Norm, they've won. They know how to contribute to winning basketball. They know how to fit into a system. Do, do you think that the way the season's played out impacts their approach at the trade deadline, or do you think this was going to be a decision they'd have to face either way, so it, it probably doesn't have as much of an impact as some might think?
0: My hope is that they don't take anything that's happened this season um, into the trade deadline, just because it is such a strange season. It's not, as you said, it's not one that you can evaluate your players or their worth on. And it's not one you want to kind of dismantle this core particularly and your franchise player over because it's, it's fake. It's nothing about the season is real. (laughs) So I just, I, I, know I will push
1: back. I, sorry to cut you off, but I will push back. Darius Garland improving and making the leap—that's real. Don't, don't you dare no, tell it's me it's that's fake. It's real
0: for you. It's real for everybody else. It's not real for Toronto. <laughs> okay, I like that. I
1: like that approach. You know, I've I've called this the second or last year. I said it was the first year of the rebuild, even though it was the second because th- that was kind of the, the first year I was giving a write-off uh, for that post-season. Well, yeah,
0: a year to figure things out.
1: You, you, can, yeah, exactly. You can create your own reality. I'm, I'm completely fine with
0: that. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, when you see LeBron leave and Kyrie leave, that creates this giant gap in what the hell are we doing? Mm -hmm. So you need time to figure that out. You need to figure out what works. And Toronto is trying to figure that out in a different country in a completely screwed up situation. And I just, I just hope that they don't use this season as the measure for what to do on Thursday.
1: Now, you say that you hope that it doesn't change their approach at the deadline. Does that mean you don't want to see these guys moved?
0: No, absolutely not. Because okay. I do think that there is another redemption season for Toronto. I just okay. think that this season is a write-off. doesn't mean tank. It just means get through it.
1: Gotcha. So correct me from, for my outsider opinion, because this is the way I view it. You, you mentioned the position the Cavs were in after Kyrie and LeBron left. Obviously, that's difficult. You you lose LeBron for nothing. Uh, Kyrie, obviously, you get Colin Sexton back. Um, assets that turn into Larry Nance Jr. and, and other kind of key guys. So that, w- that was nice on the one hand. It kind of gives us both examples of the potential of a guy walking and the upside of a return. But for me, Toronto, it almost reminds me a little bit of what the Spurs went through when they got Tim Duncan. You got a really good organization that had a down year, a little bit of a weird situation. They have core pieces. Like Fred Van Vliet has taken a leap this season. He's probably like kind of surpassed Lowry as the engine of this team. I don't, maybe that's a a hot take, but at least that's the way I kind of view it. OG Ananobi is an elite, elite defender with some real upside still. Pascal Siakam's locked in. Chris Boucher has been really good. To me, it's almost like, If you get assets in return for Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell, and you get another high pick, and they're in a very, very loaded draft, this is a team that could bounce back in a hurry.
0: True, but then you look at the Raptors' draft history, and you think, do we really need a number one pick if we're going to pick Andrea Bargnani again? (laughs) Or are we fine with taking another undrafted Fred VanVleet? now? that was a different front office
1: and 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 i don't forget i am someone that is very familiar with uh different front (laughs) offices making different drafting decisions and uh like i i think maybe you could point to hey they drafted og they drafted siakam really late uh like they've got all these guys late so what will they do with a great pick like i i think that would be my kind of put it that way yeah Th- think, think about, about that. it. That think, think about enough. that. <laughs> come was yeah. a late first. I mean, <laughs> if they get an early first, you- you're talking about a LeBron right there.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. You know what? This is the approach I'm going to take from now on. I'm I'm still not like commanding the tank or anything, okay. but.
1: It, you know what? It's once again, we are fully capable of creating our own realities and our own narratives that we want to push. So I, I always like to keep a narrative in the back pocket, just in case if things go that direction. Because I'm, I'm not plugged in. I'm not uh, part of the sources game. So <laughs> I, I, I can't like pretend to know the result beforehand and like kind of craft my takes to line up with whatever is about to occur. So I, I like to stay a little versatile. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, whatever happens, happens. We have no control over it. And whatever will be, will be, man. If Kyle Lowry is a Raptor on Friday, he's a Raptor on Friday. Norman Powell's not. He's not.
1: Do you have a preferred destination for Lowry if he is moved? Or a preferred Um, return in mind?
0: A preferred return? The thing is, all of these trade packages with Philly and Miami being the two main ones, nothing that they're offering seems worth kyle lowry to me okay if you're gonna if you're miami and you want kyle lowry and norman powell you better give me jimmy butler <laughs> like i'm sorry i'm not gonna take duncan robinson kelly Olynyk, and kendrick nunn that's just i now, just what about tyler pretty...
1: hero because tyler no. hero got a very fraudulent rising stars vote over my guy darius garland um look it's, at the numbers really fraudulent. Yeah, very I mean, fraudulent it's almost they as fraudulent as this season. Like it, that's yeah. that's what this really comes down to. Um, but he's someone that's obviously kind of come up. Um, I don't know how attached to my um, how attached in Miami is. It seems. Well, that's like the they
0: thing. Are... Miami said that if they're going to trade for Kyle Lowry, they want, and if they're going to have to get rid of Tyler Hero, they're going to have to include Norm too. Okay. So Norm and Kyle for a return that includes Tyler Hero. Huh. That's like taking two Ferraris, dangling them in front of your face, and you're saying, but I'm not ready to give up my Dodge Caravan.
1: (laughs) And and the other possible return of
0: uh,
1: Duncan Robinson, Duncan's kind of giving off some Davis Bertans uh, without even being paid, where he just kind of had that one amazing (laughs) season and is
0: kind of not
1: really back at that level just yet. So I, I, I wouldn't be thrilled with that personally um
0: it's insulting it feels insulting (laughs) well see
1: at least Tyler Hero I kind of get because Tyler Hero um you're still kind of betting on a little bit of upside you've seen him perform in the playoffs I do think that there's maybe some merit now that we're far enough removed from the bubble of hey these sight lines really benefited shooters and a lot of these guys that kind of look like they made a leap didn't really carry that forward. They they may have kind of had nice progressions to their game and improved and, and kind of the, the normal progression that you would see with age. But some of these dudes took massive leaps. And even a guy like Jamal Murray, who I'm really invested in. Yeah, he's been a little banged up this season, but he also hasn't been the Jamal Murray we saw in the bubble. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the bubble was very... It's almost like a character study or like a psych study when you look at the way players performed in the bubble compared to out of them because some of them were just out of this world and others just fell flat when you know that they're capable of so much more.
1: Right, like, like the Clippers who um, <laughs> 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 they just did not seem to want to be there too much. Do, do you still, do you have any resentment towards Kawhi Leonard over leaving and potentially giving up an opportunity to repeat or more?
0: No, because I think he probably feels it himself. So I don't need to feel it for him.
1: Okay. I like that. (laughs) I I like that approach a lot. (laughs) Um, So actually it was funny. I'm getting sidetracked now, but I was listening to uh, Taylor Rooks earlier today. And she mentioned how some of the players at the start, obviously everyone was saying, ah, well, I hate the bubble. And the general consensus certainly was that, but she was mentioning that a lot of players towards the end were like, life's a lot simpler here. Like it's, kind of scary and overwhelming we don't know what's happening with COVID I have all these re- responsibilities and have to wear all these different hats in here I just get to hoop like I, I get to live a simplified life and I I really think it, it's interesting looking at the bubble and then this season and trying to kind of track the reactions of sports fans because I feel like people haven't really appropriately adjusted to what in fact we're seeing like even last night looking at the Cavs result against the Kings like I I think a lot of people said, oh, Cavs-Kings, this should be a competitive game. And, like, they were gassed. It was their fourth game in six nights, second night of a back-to-back, Garland dealing with a contusion. And, like, it's so hard looking at every single result and trying to get a take from it. Like, it's just such a weird season. And I feel like fans don't have a full appreciation for the human element and what these players have really gone through in the last calendar year.
0: Oh, absolutely. And also when you look at the last calendar year, just how short it was between the bubble and this season. So I feel like a lot of fan reactions are including the results from the bubble and not just this season. Just because the time between it was so short, you can't really differentiate the two.
1: Mm -hmm. I I think that that's kind of a natural inclination. And I get that. Like, it's funny to hear it brought up in Giannis's MVP conversation where, well, look what he did in the playoffs last year. Uh, we, we can't give him another MVP. And like, I find myself falling t- for that. Like, I, I will say, no, you can't give him a third MVP. Like, he flamed out two years in a row. We, he, that's just unacceptable. But at the same time, we don't ever do the reverse of that. We don't say, oh, well, LeBron was great in the finals and great in the playoffs. So that has to factor into this year's MVP. One guy I want to get your take on because he has been linked to the Raptors for a lot of my adult life. One way or another, every single year, it seems to come up. What is your impression of Andre Drummond? Because I I don't think that he would be someone that would be a return. Like the reporting seems to say if Drummond gets moved by the deadline and isn't bought out, it's likely a three-team deal. He's part of it. If it was some situation, let's say a hypothetical with Miami where you are getting Tyler Hero and a flyer at Andre Drummond, is that something that you would be interested in? Or is he just not the archetype of player that you feel meshes with the Raptors.
0: I mean, I'm not as low on Andre Drummond as a lot of people are. Okay. But that's also because I've been watching Aaron Baines all season. That'll do that. He has
1: some of the worst hands I've ever seen. And I thought that was such a good signing. I thought the Raptors were genius. I'm like, you know what? Gasol is falling off a bit of a cliff. I know he's the key communicator and the cog of the defense there. But Aaron Baines, he he fits in really nicely. No, I was wrong.
0: I mean, my my criteria for a center right now is: can you catch the ball? Mm-hmm. Can you jump more than an inch off of the ground? Great, you're hired. So Andre Drummond he he fits both uh, both of those categories.
1: It's true. He he can catch and he can jump off the ground, which is <laughs> those are desirable traits. <laughs> I I also feel like people are too low on Drummond and Carter went on a good rant uh, last week about it, where it was okay. I understand that there's flaws. I understand that he has a large contract. But at this point in the season, you're not really talking about that. Like, that no team really – and I put no team in quotes because Zach Lowe did mention that teams are making offers for Andre Drummond. They're just kind of weighing, hey, is some long-term salary worth a second-round pick, et cetera. But I I could really see, like, if he lands in the right situation, he was a huge part of – of the Cavs' early season success. Like he's a good passer. Yeah. He was playing really the best defense of his career, really engaged defense. And like, if you are a team like Toronto and you want to be competitive, like I can see like Fred Van Vliet, Tyler hero, uh, OG Siakam and Drummond, like that's kind of interesting to test drive for the remainder of a
0: season. I think so. And I agree. I mean, if he's locked in and he's in a situation where there is potential to win, Mm-hmm. I think it's totally different than the Andre Drummond we've seen with Detroit, or even the last half of the season with the Cavs, because you—if there—if the goal isn't winning, then someone that competitive is not going to have as much invested in it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I I think that's fair. And like they, the Cavs came into this season saying, "Hey, we we have the talent. Like, yeah, we're really young, but when we're clicking, we can be competitive." And they were in the playoff picture as kind of a testament to that. But once Jared Allen came and it was kind of clear, hey, you're no longer the the future because we view Jared Allen as our franchise center. Yeah, it, that it's a human thing. Like I, I don't really fault him for kind of struggling to deal with that and, and being lower on the list of priorities. It's I, I feel like the number one thing for him though is going to a team that has a strong culture, and I no culture is going around a lot these days like every team wants it says they want to have a culture and they have a strong culture Toronto's an interesting example because they've been one of the teams that I've kind of said hey this is someone that the uh, Cavs should model themselves after they they develop these undrafted players really well they use the G League incredibly well Um, they, they have alignment from ownership on down but at the same time like this is a bit of a difficult season and I could see why some people would start to question that. Personally, I don't, I think like strong cultures go through adversity. They just bounce back from it. Has this season kind of shaken your confidence in the front office? Does Messiah's uncertainty weigh into that at all? Where are you at with the, the health of the franchise overall?
0: The thing is, if this season was played out in Toronto, I would hold, and it was everything that was happening was the same. I would definitely hold some accountability to the front office, but I don't hold any, I'm not holding any water for the front office in this really, really messed up situation that they don't have any control over.
1: Mm -hmm. I I think that's fair. (laughs) Like it's very difficult to fault anyone in this situation, this season. Like it's, I like, I know even personally, like I've gone through massive highs and lows throughout covid where it's really difficult like no, no matter how strong your support structure is i mean i i feel guilty like the last time i had you on the podcast i didn't feel like it was one of my stronger episodes i was going through kind of like a depressive episode and it was difficult and i like it's really kind of shaping my perception and how i evaluate everything like i actually feel like the last year has been good for me because i feel like I have a little more empathy than I had at the start and a little more understanding. And I have a better sense of everybody else is a human, which can be difficult sometimes to internalize. But yeah, it's, it's really, really hard for me to be overly critical with any organization struggling throughout the season because it, it's just such a weird one.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's so weird. And these people are humans first, athletes second. And I think people forget that and they get just way too invested like at the end of the day how much is this going to affect your daily life that you need to go and slander these players online where they're stuck inside they're gonna see it right like they're <laughs> they're living the same lockdown you are so. right yeah
1: <laughs> it's uh yeah it's very easy for some people for whatever reason to forget that they are real people and not just a salary plus whatever their RPM or D LeBron or whatever stat people want to use is for those catch all impact metrics. Um, so do you expect now, I, I know you don't want Lowry and Norm to be moved, but what is your prediction? Do you think one or both of them is going to be moved? And, and what do you think for each one?
0: I think if the front office wants to get a good return on Norm, now is the time to do it. I mm-hmm. think if they're looking past this season, And looking ahead to the next two or three seasons, they're going to probably get rid of Norm just because he does have such a high return value right now. As far as Kyle, I think it comes down to what Kyle wants. I think he's earned that um, with the franchise. So if he says, you know, listen, I want to go to Miami or listen, I want to go to Philly. I think they will do that, but they'll, they'll obviously have to get something of value in return for him. So
1: Mm -hmm. I think
0: it's all leveraged really on what Kyle Lowry wants.
1: I think that's fair. I mean, that was my stance with Kevin Love at kind of the, the start of this retooling for the Cavs was, hey, if he wants to go accommodate it. And like now I, I feel like it's not really an option. He, he's struggling with his health and whatnot. And that's unfortunate. Um, my my optimism, like part of why I'm so happy about this season, even though it's tough at times is I was optimistic thinking kevin love was going to be a part of this like they are on the same path without kevin love without andre drummond being a consistent part of this it's with norm it's a tricky one for me because part of why i love the andre drummond trade when it happened last season was oh man he's going to be an expiring contract in this year where teams are going to want to clear up space they're already positioning to clear up space there's all these amazing free agents available then all those free agents signed long-term contracts And now you look at the market and I, I I sat there and thought to myself, would I rather pay Norman Powell or Victor Oladipo? I think I'd rather pay Norm. Like I depot was fantastic when he was great, but we're a few years removed from that. He started looking shaky the following season before he even got hurt. And like, we just haven't seen that guy for a while. Does the dollar value that Norm Powell might get paid make you a little hesitant or impact your decision-making on whether or not you'd like to see him go? Because I can see with teams having so much money and few guys to spend it on, I could see him getting a massive deal.
0: Yeah, I think he he's going to command a lot more than we would offer him. But I also think Norm is very, you know, he's not going to go just where the money is. He wants to go probably somewhere where he's valued, somewhere that he's locked in. Mm -hmm. So I think they could leverage that a bit. But I also think that, you know, we cleared all the space thinking we were going to sign Giannis. (laughs) There is like a little, a little rainy day fund set aside for overpaying people a little bit.
1: I I had great self-awareness there. I was like, all these teams thought they were going to get these stars and position themselves. (laughs) Damn, I I completely forgot that you guys were one of them.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, we were, we were were, uh, driving, driving that train
1: look like your plans just it doesn't always work out sometimes you got to be able to adjust on the fly and I I guess that's one of the things that Toronto's doing is is there any other like kind of have you got your mind towards what the offseason might bring in any sense like they do have some cap space if they do move Lowry and Norm is there anybody that you have your eyes on or or is that way too far away for you at this point
0: LeBron? <laughs> well no, no I'm he, signed too. he signed too. I'm just too. kidding. Oh yeah, he signed when AD signed, didn't he? All these guys, man, they just
1: signed their contracts and, and they took away the value of Andre Drummond as an expiring. It hurt my feelings. That's that's what happened there.
0: Yeah, you know what? If they get rid of both of them this offseason, I have no idea. I mean, give Paul Watson the keys to the the keys mm. to the boat, sign all the nine oh five guys and let's watch them grow because I don't care anymore.
1: <laughs> the desperation in your voice is real i can feel it
0: I... just get rid of aaron Payne's, and, I... a- and
1: and I'm that'll fine. do it for you <laughs> okay
0: the final... a person. well
1: i don't want to put you through too much torture because I-, I feel a little <laughs> guilty at this point i feel like i've done that final one the pain of a new era is difficult Cavs fans, I mean, I've I've rationalized in my head that this is year two of the rebuild, and uh, I am sure that there is people that feel like it's year forty of the rebuild. It's not an easy thing to do. Do you feel like the Raptors are well positioned to? We, we talked about the guys they do have under contract, and it's not like they'd be starting from scratch. Do you still have faith in kind of the, the organization to navigate whatever direction uh, comes, whether it be resigning Lowry and Norm or moving on from that era?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that they can do both at the same time. I think they can resign them while also rebuilding around them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: changing kind of the culture, changing the things, the outside factors that are making this year so difficult. I, I have, I still have faith in the front office.
1: That's good. Yeah, like, I, I think you should. Like, even if even in the worst case scenario where Messiah leaves, like I, I think Bobby Webster, he's done a great job as general manager. Like it's, I, I don't foresee Messiah leaving. Like I, I can't imagine a better situation for him, but I, I think ultimately like it's going to work out for you guys. Now, b- before we wrap this up, I want to plug the basketball because not only do you write for it, but friend of the podcast, Spencer Davies writes for it and a whole bunch of other great people. Do you want to plug that and kind of t- let the audience know kind of what you got going on or any features you're working on right now?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, basketballnews.com was started basically by a bunch of writers. We've got Spencer Davies, um, we've got Alex Kennedy, and then we've got some um, some other great writers from you know Dishes and Dimes, Katie Heindel, Yasmin Dwale, and myself. I just finished um, a piece on Gary Payton Jr. and his kind of his journey to professional basketball. Um, I do a lot of G League stuff. Everyone else is very more, much more well-rounded. But <laughs> we've got podcasts. We've got James Posey's podcast. We've got Etan Thomas. We've got Kenyon Martin and Jadakiss. That, that's so, so
1: cool, by the way. Like that, that is so awesome that you guys have that podcast.
0: I am waiting for the day that we can do a crossover episode and call it Jada Kelse. I've been like, ever since they said we were getting him, this has been like my, my bucket, top of my bucket list. So... If that ever happens, you'll be the first to know.
1: You know what? All great ideas start with a great title and you work your way backwards from there. Like <laughs> that's that's how a great concept comes to become reality. So I, I'm 100% there for it. You guys, like hopefully there's a world where things are more normal and there can be like live events and stuff for you guys because that would be just about the coolest thing. Uh, <laughs> so make sure you guys all our listeners i want to thank you guys for your support make sure you are checking out the basketballnews.com as well as the fantastic dimes and dishes podcast i know we have a lot of canadian listeners i see the metrics you go you guys go check out dimes and dishes kelsey one anything else
0: you want to plug before i wrap this thing up i don't think so just really happy for your your young calves treat jared allen nicely
1: it's the weirdest thing i swear outside fans seem to be more happy for the Cavs and more excited about the Cavs than some fans. I, I, think, <laughs> I think the pressure rebuilding can get to, get to people, but you know what? That's why we bring in outsiders that bring the perspective. So thank you so much for your perspective. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Want to thank all the listeners as well for your support. You guys have been pouring in the reviews. Really, really appreciate it. Um, if you guys haven't yet left a review, Go ahead, support us, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Downs exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cavs.